starting a series today that's going to last through the entire summer. Yeah, I said the entire summer. This series is going to go through the entire summer. And we titled, I titled this series Red Letters. Red Letters. And we basically, you guys, there's a lot of, in the Bible, most, most of the Bible is written in black and white, right? It's just written like a book is, right? But in most Bibles, I don't know if it's on the ones you guys have or not, but there's red words. There's r- words that are written in red. And those words are, they're the words of Jesus. They're the words that actually came out of Jesus' mouth himself. And so this summer, we're only going to look at those words. This entire summer, until you start school again in the fall, we're only looking at the words that Jesus said. The words that came out of God's mouth himself. Okay, And God, Jesus talked on a ton of different topics, as we know, right? And so that's why it can last so long. And so we're going to talk about different things, like uh, just name a few. We're talking about having peace in the storm, um, what it means to have faith, what it means to pray, worship, um, what it, how, how to have faith in Jesus. Uh, different things that Jesus specifically talked about is what we're going to talk about this summer. And today we're going to talk about what it actually means to follow Jesus, That's what we're going to talk about today, what it means to follow him. Um, But before I do that, I want to ask you a question. I want to intro this series a bit more. So I want to ask you this question. Uh, In your mind, think about this. Why should we listen to Jesus? Why should we listen to Jesus? That's my question for you right now. And many of you are probably thinking, like I would be, well, duh, Hayden, he's God. Like we probably should listen to God, right? That's probably what you're thinking, but the thing is that I don't think we understand what we mean when we say that, because there's a lot of times, and I will admit this myself, is when we read a scripture or we read what Jesus says, we don't put that into practice in our own life, we just read it, and then we keep it at that, right? But I'm going to tell you right now why I listen to Jesus' words and why I cling to Jesus, and it's this, write this down. The only reason why I believe, me personally, believe in Jesus as God and cling to every word he says is because of what? The resurrection. That's the only reason why I believe in Jesus and the only reason why I'm going to listen to his word is because of the resurrection. If it wasn't for the resurrection, if Jesus didn't rise from the grave, I would not listen to him. And I would tell you right now, you guys go leave because this is pointless. I would tell you that. I definitely would. But because he rose from the grave, there's proof of it. I, I dare you guys to look into that. There's proof of that. Look into the evidence of that. Because he did rise from the grave, now I personally am clinging to every word he says. Every word that came out of his mouth, I am clinging to. I'm listening to. And that's why we need to do that as a group collectively this summer. Um, turn, flip your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 15, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 12. It'll be on the board. I'm going to read the message translation. Um, I just like this version for this um, scripture. And Paul is writing this. He's writing this to a city called Corinth. Can you say Corinth with me? Corinth. So he's writing this to a city called Corinth. That's why it's called Corinthians, right? The people of Corinth were called Corinthians. And he's specifically talking about the resurrection in this passage. So he says this, follow along with me. Now let me ask you something profound yet troubling. If you became believers because you trusted the proclamation that Christ is alive, risen from the dead, 
How can you let people say that there's no such thing as a resurrection? If there's no resurrection, there's no living Christ. And face it, if there's no resurrection for Christ, everything we've told you is smoke and mirrors. It's lies. We'd be lying to you, right? I'd be lying to you. And everything you've staked your life on is smoke and mirrors, lies. Not only that, but we would be guilty of telling a string of barefaced lies about God. All these affidavits we, we passed on to you, verifying that God raised up Christ, sheer fabrications, if there's no resurrection. If corpses can't be raised, then Christ wasn't, because he was indeed dead. And if Christ weren't raised, then all you're doing is wandering about in the dark, as lost as ever, it's even worse for those who died hoping in Christ and resurrection because they're already in their graves. If all we get out of Christ is just a little inspiration for a few short years, we're a pretty sorry lot. And this, listen to this last sentence. But the truth is that Christ has been raised up, the first in a long legacy of those who are going to leave the cemeteries. I want to I focus in on that last sentence there. I want to read it again. I want you guys to understand the truth of that last sentence, okay? That, just that last sentence. It says this. The truth is that Christ has been raised up, the first in a long legacy, of those who are going to leave the cemeteries. So the truth is, is that Jesus has been raised up. I'm going to say it again. You guys look into the evidence for it. Whatever you want to do, look into it. I encourage you to. So the truth is that Jesus has been raised up, from the grave. And he's saying in this scripture, which Jesus talked about, is we are going to rise from the grave someday too if we follow him. You guys following along with me right now? And that's why I want to follow Jesus. That's why I believe in God and believe in Jesus as my savior because he rose from the grave. Because he rose from the grave and someday I am going to as well if I follow him. That's why I want to cling to every word he says. Everything that came out of his mouth, I want to cling to. But the one thing I don't really understand, you guys, is how much we downplay this. In our church culture and just Christian culture in general, we sometimes downplay the resurrection. Sometimes it's only Easter where the resurrection is celebrated. Right? And hear me out here. I, I know some of you guys are here just because your parents force you to be here. I, I, I know that for a fact. You know who you are if you're here because of that, right? There's many of you that are here because of that. But what, just listen to me on this just a second. This is so much bigger than your parents just forcing you to be here. This is so much bigger than that. This is about you someday being buried in a cemetery, we're all going to be there. You can try not to be, but we're going to be there. And you rising from the grave someday. This is radical stuff, right? This isn't about just your parents forcing you to be here. This is eternity. You're here for just a short amount of time. So this is about rising from the cemetery. It says in scripture itself, the first, Jesus was the first and a long legacy of those who are going to leave the cemetery. Tim Keller said this, he says, the foundation of our faith is an event. You should write this down. The foundation of our faith is an event. Christianity started not with the teaching of Jesus, it started with the resurrection. So he's saying here that the teachings of Jesus, Jesus walked and talked on this earth. Christianity didn't start because of just Jesus' teaching. When did Christianity start? It started after the resurrection. It started after they saw and witnessed Jesus rise from the grave. And they're like, oh shoot, we got to listen to this dude. Right? 
That's when it started. And now, because of that event, because of that event that happened 2,000 years ago, that re- the resurrection that happened 2,000 years ago, now we listen to Jesus. Now we should listen to him. That Now we should cling to every word he says. Every red word in the Bible, we need to cling to this summer because he rose from the grave. You guys with me? Nod your head if you're with me. We're on it? Okay, we're good. Um, so that, so that's, that's kind of the intro of why we are going through this series, why I'm very passionate about um, this summer series is because of that, because it, it's not just about your parents forcing you to be here. This, is, this has eternal implications, okay? And flip your Bibles now uh, back to Matthew, verse, or chapter 4, verse 18. Matthew is the first gospel in the Bible, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Um, so we're going to read Matthew four eighteen through 22. And today, like I talked about, we're going to look at the very first thing that Jesus said to his disciples. So that's how we're going to start this series. We're going to look at the very first thing Jesus said to his disciples. And it says this. should be on the board. Perfect. It says, As Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers. Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the lake for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said. That, those three words. Come, follow Follow me. That's what we're going to look at today. Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. At once they left their nets and followed him. Going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John. They were in a boat with their father Zebedee, preparing their nets. Jesus called them, and immediately they left their boat and their father and followed him. So, I want to ask you guys right now the biggest question that you can ask yourself ever until the, your entire life. This is the biggest question. I'm not making this up. This is, this is bigger than any finals you're taking next week, any finals you just took. And that's this. Write this down. Ask yourself this question. Are you a follower of Jesus? Are you a follower of Jesus? That's the question that Peter, Andrew, James, and John were faced with that, that day. Jesus said, hey, come follow me. So that they have that decision that day whether they're going to follow Jesus or not, right? So the question I have for you is, are you a follower of Jesus? And, and many of you in here don't have a relationship with Jesus. You probably might not even believe in him. So this invitation is for you today. And I'm actually, this invitation is, is right now, it's, it's in your lap right now for you today. But there's also people in here who probably when I asked you that question, probably just kind of ignored it. Because maybe you're, you grew up in church. Maybe you're, there's, there's church people who grew up. Yeah, when was the last time? When did you grow up in church? Well, I don't remember. Like the day I was born, I guess, I started coming to church. Maybe that's you. And maybe you're like ignored that question because you, already, you thought you already answered it. You're like, well, I come to church, so I'm, I'm, I'm a follower, right? That makes sense. I'm going to challenge you today. I'm going to push you guys a little bit this week and next week. Um, because... There's a difference, you guys. There's a difference between saying, Jesus, I know you are the Son of God, between saying, Jesus, I'm following you. There's a difference between that. I'll say it this way. This question that I'm going to phrase right now is what we're going to wrestle with for the rest of the time here. And it's this. Write this down. Do you believe in Jesus or do you believe Jesus? Write that down. Do you believe in Jesus or do you actually believe? believe Jesus. And you're probably in here thinking, well, that's 
this seems like the same thing, which it kind of does, right, with some change in terminology there. But it will become clear in a sec. But I just want you guys to be honest with yourselves because there's a lot of people in our culture and our churches and me, myself, even that lean more towards the, well, I believe in Jesus instead of the, I believe Jesus. It's, I mean, when you ask someone if they're a Christian, what do you, what do you say? Hey, do you believe in Jesus? Do you believe in Jesus? Yeah, I believe in Jesus. Do you believe in Jesus? I believe in Jesus. Do you? Right? That's what you hear all the time. But they're different things. Because to believe Jesus is something completely different than to believe in Him. One of these is based on thought. To believe in Jesus is based on thought. It's based on reasoning, right? It's, for example, some of you in here uh, maybe say, Hey, I believe in UFOs. I believe in aliens. I believe in Bigfoot. I don't know why you're kind of crazy if you do, I guess. But if... uh, You might think that. So off your thought and your reasoning, you say, yeah, I believe in those things, right? I've reasoned my way through that. I I have thought my way through that. So yes, I believe in that. So I believe in Jesus is based on thought. However, to believe Jesus is based on trust. To believe something is based on trust. Write this down. The word believe actually means to trust. It is more of an action than it is a thought. Here, I'll I'll make this more personal so you can get this. So when I gave my life to Jesus junior year of college, right, I attached my reasoning and my thought to it. I, I basically mapped out, me and a bunch of the people that were discipling me were like mapping this out. Hey, is there a God? Here's, here, look at this evidence for a God. Look at this evidence for not a God. See what you think and then decide. Okay, and I was like, okay, I believe in a God. It made sense. It made more, much more sense to believe in a God. So then it was like, okay, well then what God do I believe in? There's a lot of gods out there, right? And the evidence for Jesus and the historical evidence for the resurrection was there. So I was like, okay, not, Jesus, I believe in you. It's there. You, you must be God. So I attached my reasoning and thought. So I remember my room saying, hey, Jesus, I believe in you. I actually do, junior year of college. I believe in you. So right when I did that, now the Holy Spirit started convicting me of things, saying, hey, Hayden, you need to change. You need to get out of this relationship. Hey, Hayden, you need to change this lifestyle. But I was like, no, I don't want to do that. Well, I don't, I don't trust you. I believe in you. I believe you are who you say you are, but I don't believe you. I don't trust you. I don't follow you. You guys tracking with me? Yeah? Nod your head. All right, we got two people. Cool. Um, so, write this down. To believe in Jesus, you're saying you want a Savior. To believe Jesus, you're, you're saying you want Him as Lord too. To believe in Jesus, in Jesus, you're saying you want a Savior. But, but to believe Jesus, you're saying you want Him as Lord too. But the thing is, is that what does Jesus say? He says, I am Lord and Savior. He's both. He's not one or the other. If he's your savior, he's got to be your Lord or he's not anything. Right? If you want to throw up that picture, I think we've got a picture coming up. Yeah. So this right here, obviously many of you know, uh, this is what happened, Twin Towers, where the planes um, ran in the Twin Towers. Thousands of people died, right? It was awful. But what many people don't realize is that the Sunday after 9-11, churches in New York were flooded with people. Just flooded. 
You couldn't, you could not find an empty seat in a church in New York after this happened. They kind of looked like, I think I have a picture of one of the churches in New York. They, they looked something like this, right? There's a ton of people. Tim Keller is a pastor in New York. His church went from 2,800 on an everyday basis, every Sunday, to 5,400 after 9-11, just because of that event. So you've got to ask yourself, why did that happen? Well, people needed a savior, right? They didn't want to go to hell. Who wants to go to hell? They're like, yeah, Jesus, I believe in you. But the question is, everyone wants a savior, but the question is, do they want a Lord? Lord means he is in control. Lord means he is your guide. Lord means he is in the driver's seat. If we're honest with ourselves, we like Savior Jesus more than we like in charge Jesus. I, I do, right? Everyone does. We like Savior Jesus more than we like in charge Jesus, right? But we like, the sa- we like the Jesus that allows us the flexibility to do whatever we want, but then to turn back to him and be like, but Jesus, I believe in you, right? I'm going to live this life, but Jesus, I believe in you. I'm good, right? Okay, I'm going to go here now, right? We think that's, but I'm going to show you today that that's not biblical at all. There's no such thing as that happening in Scripture. That's not following Jesus. Romans 10 verse 9 says this, If you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Right? That's everyone, a lot of people know that Scripture, but... I want to, what does it say if you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, right? It didn't say if you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Savior. It says Lord. He has to be Lord too. He is your Savior, yes, but he has got to be Lord too. We get this idea that we can just believe in Jesus as Savior and not as Lord. We think that we can just believe in Jesus without believing him and trusting him and following him, Right? So, it's like this. Is anyone here good at swimming? Raise your hand. Good at swimming? You're great at swimming. (laughs) Chase is good at swimming. All right. So, it's like if all of you guys that raised your hand, you and I, everyone that raised your hand, we all get in a boat, drive out a little bit into the ocean, not too far probably, (laughs) but a little bit in the ocean, and we, we decide to swim back to shore. And I think that I can do it with you guys. So we jump off, we start swimming, and I'm, I'm, I'm trekking right along. And then you guys are already, already there, and I'm halfway through, and I realize I'm not going to make it. So I start saying, hey, Jesus, save me, help me, someone save me, right? A boat comes along, this guy comes along, saves me, brings me to shore. The next day, we do it again. I think I can do it this time with the same group of people. You guys kill it, you make it, I'm halfway through. And I'm like, I'm not going to make this one either. So I start yelling, save me, help, right? I need help. I'm not going to make it. So the same guy comes along, saves me, drives me to shore. Wouldn't have made sense if I would have like, gotten like swimming instructions or like a floaty or life jacket or something like that, right? To help me get to the other side. But you guys, this is, this is what I'm getting at. This is what we do with Jesus. We realize that we can't swim, yet we still try to do it on our own. And then we yell when we're drowning, save me. I need help. Save me. And Jesus says this. He says, yes, I'll save you. He saves us, brings us into the boat. But that he doesn't stop there. Jesus says, what? Walk with me. Talk with me. 
I'll show you how to live this thing out. Follow me. He doesn't just stop there. He, Jesus wants followers, not just people who believe in him. There's, there's tons of people in Scripture that believe in Jesus, but they don't follow him. Right? We, but we say no. We may not say it verbally, but that's what we say with our actions. We're saying, Jesus, I believe in you, but I don't trust you. I believe in you, but I'm not going to follow you. Right? I mean, you've got to ask yourself, like, why don't we tithe? Why don't some people tithe? Well, we don't trust that, G- that God is going to bless us more than we could ever imagine when we do. Why don't we stay pure in relationships? Here we go. Why don't we stay pure in relationships where we don't trust that God has something better in store for us and in store for our marriage to come if we do? Why don't we listen to God when He places a specific calling on our life? Why don't we live that out? Well, because we don't trust that God has something good in store for that. We think that we have something better in store. right? We don't trust Him. So I'm going to invite up Deb to jump on the keys now as I begin to close. You see, you guys, many of you in here, right now in here, have made a decision to believe in Jesus without making a commitment to follow Him. You've made a decision to believe in Him, yes, but you haven't made a commitment to follow Him. However, the gospel of Jesus Christ allows for no such distinction. There's, there's, no, there's no one way or the other there. You're either all in or you're not. Jesus is very clear. He's very radical. What we create in our culture today is not what you see in Scripture. You can't believe in Him without following Him, or else you're not with Him. Right? It's pretty radical. I'm just challenging you guys today because this is what it's, what it's saying. I just read it, and I'm like, this is exactly what's going on. I don't know what to do. It's, it kind of stinks because now I have to say this to you guys. Right? It's harsh a little bit. Right? This is what's going on. You see... When we decide to believe in Jesus, I think you should be on the board if you want to write this down. When we decide to believe in Jesus without making a commitment to follow him, we become nothing more than fans of Jesus. But he never said, be a fan of me. He said what? Follow me. I mean, imagine right now that you're like, you're in an audience. So this is, this is a wedding going on right now. I'm right here. My wife is this computer right here. I guess. Set her up here. <laughs> okay, and so we're at a wedding, right? And I imagine that I am saying my vows to my wife, right? I'm saying my vows to my wife, and I'm holding her hands, and I'm saying I'm gonna love you through sickness, through health. I'm gonna love you every day of my life. It's only you that I want. That's it. I'm gonna take care of you. I'm gonna provide for you everything. And while I'm saying this, everyone's crying, right, in the audience, right? That's what happens at weddings, I think. But, and then imagine though, imagine, imagine that the next week on the honeymoon, you guys find out that I cheated on my wife at the honeymoon. Right? All of a sudden, you guys, all of a sudden, right, those words hold no meaning. Those words don't mean anything anymore. This is what we do with Jesus. Those words hold, they they, they don't, like what I just said doesn't mean anything anymore. Write this down. Biblical belief, what you see in scripture, is more than just an intellectual acceptance or a heartfelt acknowledgement. It is a commitment to follow. We gotta gotta grasp that right now. Biblical belief is more than just an intellectual acceptance or a heartfelt acknowledgement. It is a commitment to follow. Following by definition 
requires more than mental assent. It calls for.